the rain falls, sing when your road seems strange. In a tempest, seize the lightning flash and ride the winds of change. Lululero, lululai. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly. Lululero, lululai. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly. Good morning and welcome to all of you. This is our first full day of Spiritual Winger Week. I'd like to introduce the uh, teachers who will be sharing with us this morning. We have here Ananta, Nayaswami Ananta, Nayaswami Gyandev, and I am Nayaswami Shivani. And it is truly a pleasure to be with you. I've been living in Italy for nearly 30 years, and it's been 30 years since I've been at a spiritual Renewick. So this is an enormous pleasure for me. I'd like to begin with a reading from Swami's book, Affirmations for Self-Healing, on the subject of today, and then I'd like to invite you to repeat with me an affirmation. Willingness must be cultivated deliberately. It is an attitude of mind and depends not on outward conditions. Most people are willing or unwilling depending on their likes and dislikes. Don't wait for favorable circumstances to awaken willingness in you. Train yourself in the attitude of saying yes to life. Often by this simple attitude, you will find success arriving, unexpected, at your door. Let's affirm together, I welcome everything that comes to me, as an opportunity for further growth. I welcome everything that comes to me, as an opportunity for further growth. I welcome everything that comes to me as an opportunity for further growth. I welcome everything that comes to me as an opportunity for further growth. I welcome everything that comes to me as an opportunity for further growth. Everything that comes to me as an opportunity for further growth. I, I welcome everything that comes to me as an opportunity for further growth. Taking this deeply into the, the superconsciousness, gazing at the point between the eyebrows, affirm again, I welcome everything that comes to me as an opportunity for further growth. I welcome everything that comes to me as an opportunity for further growth. Om. Peace. Amen.
If there were one phrase that described Swami Kriyananda's approach to life and his practical philosophy, we can say it is this, say yes to life. But of course, we d we're not limited to just one phrase. I mean, there's other phrases that describe him too, like do it now, do it well. But Swami was quintessentially the say yes to life person. And this is a great gift that he has given us. Swami said yes in so many situations that opened up doorways for himself and also for all of us. One of the early yeses was when he read the autobiography of a yogi. He read that book and he said, yes, this is what I have been looking for. Yes, I'm going to go there right now. So it's a combination of say yes to life and do it now. <laughs> I'm going to do it now. I'm going to get on that bus and I'm going to go find this man who I know embodies the wisdom that I have been seeking. But it's because he was seeking for answers that he was able to take the opportunity that came to him through that book. He was looking, he was asking questions. What is the meaning of life? Who are we in reality? For what purpose were we made? Life speaks to us when we ask, when we are looking. And this is the cosmic law. As Jesus says, ask and the answer shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open. It's like a cosmic formula. It's almost mathematical. When we are asking the question, and especially if we're asking the right questions, life is going to, be, is going to respond to us. Because life is responsive. Life is conscious. Life is vital. But we need to initiate the process of asking. Asking the right questions is such an important part of our spiritual growth. And Swami did that throughout his entire life. Another time that he said yes to life is when he was at the Beverly Hills garden party. And he heard Master talk so movingly and so passionately about the forming of World Brotherhood colonies. Swami not only heard what Master said, but he also listened. He was perhaps the only one who listened, even though how many people heard what Master said? We know that there were about 800 people at that garden party. They heard, but they weren't listening. And Swami was listening. When we're asking the question, when we are asking the question of life to our superconsciousness, life responds, and then it's up to us to listen to it. A little more about the process of asking the question. Swami has embodied this principle in the purification ceremony. When we begin by writing down what it is that we want to offer 
to our superconsciousness, to God, to be free from. In that way, we're asking the question to our own higher self, how can I become free of this burden that I have been carrying with me? And when we ask that question through writing, and when we initiate the purification ceremony by going up and saying this affirmation, which is also in the form of a question, more an affirmation, I seek purification by the grace of God. And then the answer comes, open your heart to me, and I will enter and take charge of your life. So we ask, life responds, and then we need to listen and not only hear. Swami was so good in this attitude of this habit of listening to life and of saying yes to life. To master in the autobiography, to master when he said, go out and begin World Brotherhood colonies. There was an episode that for me was extremely educational. It was in the very early years, Swami was still living at the meditation retreat. And I was serving there at the reception desk. I think it must have been 1971 or 1972. And Swami was in seclusion. It was a month-long seclusion, and he was in silence. Into the office one day walks this young woman. And she was very strange. I don't remember exactly what she was wearing, but in my mind's eye, she had a sorcerer's hat on and a flowing dress with runes on it and a wand in her hand. And she floated into the office and said, I would like to see Swami Kriyananda. And I responded, I'm sorry, he's in seclusion at the moment. He won't be out for another two or three weeks. But if you would like to register, I'll be happy. I'll be happy if you want to stay. So I asked her her name, took out the piece of paper. I don't remember what her name was. In my memory, it was something like Smeralda. <laughs> and so I write her name down, and then I say, and your address? And she says, Venus. <laughs> And I say to her, because, you know, I mean, there are cities in this country that, you know, there's a Florence, there's a Milan, there's a Rome. So, so I innocently I say, oh, what state is that in? And she looks at me disdainfully, the planet. All right, I say. So I write it down and I file the paper. This is Smeralda from Venus. And she says again, I have a message from Yogananda for Kriyananda. So inside of me, I go, I go hmm. now we know that Master said that he would never come to us through a medium. He would come to us through our own selves. So I'm thinking, ha-ha. And I say to her, well, if you would like to write the message down, I'd be happy to give it to Swami Kriyananda. I give him the mail every day. No, she said, Yogananda told me I need to give it to him myself. So I told her to make herself comfortable. I didn't know how long it was going to be. 
And she was absolutely determined until she was going to, uh, to stay until she was going to give this message. So that day, as usual, about three o'clock when the post comes, uh, we didn't have computers then, if you can imagine that. The post comes, and as usual, I take it down, and I'm supposed to leave it in a basket at the back door of Swami's house. But that day when I go there, Swami is standing on the porch. And I hand him the post, and I turn around to leave. And he says to me, mind you, he's in silence, <clears throat> is there anything else, Shivani? I say, no, sir, this is all of the post. Remember, she didn't write the message down. And he looks through it, and he says again, is there something else? And I repeat, no, the letters are all here. With a little bit of frustration, he says to me, Shivani, what else do you have to tell me? <laughs> and I say, well, Swami, there's this woman. She says she's from Venus. Ha ha. <laughs> and Swami says, and what does the lady from Venus want? And I say, sir, she says she has a message for you from, ha, Yogananda. And he stops for a moment, and then he says, I will see the lady from Venus. Bring her down at 4.30. So with my tail between my legs, um, <laughs> up I go, up I go, and I find the lady from Venus, and I lead her down, and she and Swami talk. Now the story ends there for a while, it almost ends there, because Swami was in seclusion and he was not waiting for me the next day and he was not forthcoming about what this conversation was about. Months later, we were somewhere, I don't know where, and I had the opportunity, I was with Swami and I said, Sir, do you remember the lady from Venus? He said, oh yes. <laughs> and I asked, did she really have a message for you from Yogananda? And he said, I doubt it was from Yogananda, but she had something very important to tell me, and I'm very grateful. And I was stunned. I mean, I realized the prejudices, you know, in my own mind, the, uh, the closeness, you know, of my consciousness. And here's Swami, you know, just saying yes to life, being opened for whatever messages will come his way, that God has many forms. God can speak to us in many, many ways. Swami was always listening to life and willing to do the unexpected. We were sitting in Assisi in the dining room one day, it was 1996, and we had invited Swamiji over in June of that year to be the keynote speaker at a fundraiser we were doing for the Temple of Light because we were almost finished and we wanted to finish by September. So Swami came over, he did the event, he saw the temple, and we were having lunch at his table, and one of the very young residents uh, in the community was sitting there. And suddenly she pipes up and she says, Swami, you've been living a long time in California. Why don't you move here? And I kind of kicked her under the table, you know, <laughs> as if to say, you know, you know, cool it. 
and how stunned I was when Swami gazed into her eyes and then gazed up for a moment and he said, I will. And at that moment, he began to make his plans, and within a few months, he had moved to Assisi. Seven years later, he received a letter from India, and this letter was saying how devotees of Master had been suffering, had been not, been not been taken care of very well in India by Master's work. And Swami read that letter, and when he finished, he said, We're going to India. I'm moving there. Now, these things came to him, not we could think out of the blue, but because he was always asking God, what do you want me to do? What is your will? This is the prayer of St. Francis. O Signore, cosa vuoi che io faccia? O Lord, what do you want me to do? When we ask life, Life answers us, but then we have to take that opportunity, and that's not easy. We need to ask, we need to listen, but then we need to take action. We need to really say yes to life. When we hear life speaking to us, another law comes into play. It's a law that I call the window of grace. When something is right, when it comes from God, when he's asking you to do something, a window opens and a wave of grace comes in that makes it possible for us to do it. I heard a story from a very dear friend of mine. I think this was from Hari Priya. And she said that she knew a woman who had taken initiation from Swami Shivananda of Rishikesh in India. And as part of her sadhana, Swami Shivananda said to her, and you should get up at 4.30 every morning and begin your practices. This woman was a Westerner, and she was far from uh, habituated to getting up so early in the morning. She didn't know what she was going to do. So the next morning, she's sleeping. She had set her alarm clock. At 4.29, there's a knock on the door. She jumps out of bed, rushes to the door, opens, nobody there. And she gets up and she does her practices. Next morning, 429, knock on the door. She jumps up, opens it, nobody there, and she sits and does her practices. After a few weeks, uh, one night she stays up late and she's very tired in the morning. The knock comes on the door and she said, oh, not today, I'm so tired maybe just another half hour, she rolls over. The knock never came again. So she had to struggle to get back into that flow of grace. But when we not only hear but listen, and when we say yes to life, then we are accompanied, we are helped, because God is on our side, as Swami so often said. God wants us to find Him. God wants us to be realized. So He's there to support and to sustain us. But our yes needs to be unreserved. Some years ago, <clears throat> I had been living here for eight years. I was working in the garden and so 
happy. Just eight really happy years out in the sun almost every day. I mean, I was out every day, but the sun wasn't out every day. And, you know, nice tan and healthy and talking to the plants and working with Hanel. It was just such a wonderful life. And during these eight years, I noticed that other people would be in a job for a couple years and then Swami would move them to another job and then to another job and then to another job. And it was clear to me that he was training them. But I had my likes and dislikes and I loved being in the garden and I just hoped that the day would never come when he would ask me. But after eight years, I began to think, maybe I'm not growing you know, maybe all these other people are really getting ahead, and here I am, happy in the garden, but, you know, not advancing. So I think I should go and ask Swamiji. But I was scared. I mean, I just really didn't want to hear what he had to say to me. So I thought, well, I'm not going to waste this man's time by going to ask him like this. So I said, well, I'm going to try to become willing to not only hear, but listen to what he has to say. And so I began in my meditations to do this visualization. What if Swami said that I should work in the office? And I, no, no, not inside, not out of the side. No, 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 I, I can't do that. Telephones, no, can't do it. So I kept visualizing it until one day I said, okay, if he asked me that, that's fine. But that wasn't enough. I, I knew there were reservations. So I said to myself, okay, what if he says to you, go to Sacramento and help start a new center? No, won't do that. Can't leave. I, I'm here. This is my life. I'm not going anywhere. So another week or two weeks, and I just, okay, all right, visualize it. He says, go to Sacramento. You go. All right, I could accept that. This went on for a while, and then I posed myself the question, what if he says to you, Shivani, this is not your place. You leave. Don't look back. Don't take anything. Just go. And of course, I began weeping and crying. How can he do this? <laughs> and I played that over and over and over again in my mind, until I could say, if he said that, I will go, because it's God speaking through him. I trust that God, I'm asking this man, I trust that God's going to speak through him. So if he says that, it's going to be for my good. And I watched myself walk away and not turn back. Then I made an appointment with Swami. I said, okay, I'm ready. You know what he said to me? He said, Shifani, you're doing such a good job in the garden. <laughs> but two months later, the phone rang. Swami, Shifani, come down. How would you like to uh, take over the management of the publications? And it's like everything in me was saying no, just screaming, oh no, how can the, you know. But then, because I had been prepared, I opened my mouth, I thought no was going to come out, and yes came out. It was that yes. And then I said, but 
<laughs> I don't know anything about this. You know, I have no experience. What should I do? And he said, sell my books. <laughs> and I said, how? He said, you figure it out. And I was in publications for four years. He never gave me any other advice. So I had three words, sell my books. So sometimes it was sell my books, as opposed to printing them, which we had been doing at the time. <laughs> sell my books, you know. Don't, you know, other people will write, and that's good, but right now sell my books. Sell my books, not other things, you know. Not, you know. So I just tried to really get a lot out of what life, what life was saying. Those were four very hard years and I can't say that I was successful. I can't say that I left the business in better condition than I found it. Uh, but I had certainly learned a lot. It's the unreservedness of our saying yes. I'm going to tell you a non-vegetarian joke and then I'm going to finish with the story. So if for breakfast, and I know that's not the case with anyone here, you have eggs and bacon. This is a Walt Bader joke. If you have eggs and bacon, the chicken was involved. The pig was committed. <laughs> and this, this is what it takes. To say yes to life. <laughs> it's that unreserved yes. I'm going to finish with this, with this little story. It's, I heard this story from an Indian holy person who told it in the first story. I'll tell it in the first story. This was told by Sankeshavadas. I went on a pilgrimage uh, to a place where there was a miraculous healing statue of Krishna, and everybody spoke of its beauty, its perfection, and its healing power. It came alive when people prayed deeply. And as I walked and got close to the grounds, I began, uh, there was a pathway. And on the pathway, there were stones that we were walking over so that our feet, you know, weren't on the whatever. And as I passed over that walkway, I heard the stones speaking to me. And they told me this story. Years and centuries ago, they said, the sculptor came here looking to build this temple. And when he picked me up and held me in his hands, I said to him, oh, don't touch me. Leave me just as I am. And so he did, and he placed me here in this pathway. And every day thousands of pilgrims walk over me, and none of them notices me. And the saint continued, I walked further and got close to the temple, and outside there were statues. And the statues outside the temple are not completely finished, because the beautiful statue is inside. And when I passed by one of the statues, I heard it say, when the sculptor held me in his hands, I said to him, give me a few touches, change me a little, but not too much. And so he did, and he placed me here, an unfinished work, and almost nobody notices me. And then I went in to the sanctuary, and I saw there that beautiful statue of Krishna. It was perfect. 
It truly was the image of God. And I prayed, and it came alive to me. And he said, And when the sculptor held me in his hands, I said to him, Give me as many blows as you need to make me the perfect image of God. I just want to show you this, sorry. This is Say Yes to Life. This was the first album outside of SRF that Swami recorded. He was still living in San Francisco at that time. Swami is definitely our Say Yes to Life teacher. <laughs> We're getting taller throughout this class. <laughs> you know, like many of you, I know certainly uh, it's a common theme that we had a religious upbringing of some sort that didn't fill the nooks and crannies of our being very well. I know that I, like Swami and like so many of you, I felt that the, the view of God that I was seeing wasn't resonating with me particularly. And the idea that all I needed to do was believe, and that was going to take care of me forever and ever, somehow felt like cheating. And, and it was so complicated. I mean, it wasn't just the Ten Commandments. It was all the little things that the minister would slip in uh, when you weren't looking, all the other requirements or all the other obscure snatches of Scripture that, that just all these rules of behavior, and it started to be so complicated for me, quite apart from the inconsistency. Why do I need to behave a certain way if all I need to do is believe? I mean, what's believe ought to cover me. Um, so, uh, I walked away from it, as so many people did, and it wasn't until years later that I started to exploring other things and came to the realization that maybe my thinking had been a little bit tangled and that uh, maybe, maybe what I'd been hearing wasn't wasn't untangled either, but that's not to say that just because I disagreed with it that I was right. So I started to look in other places and it wasn't long before I came on Autobiography of a Yogi and it wasn't long after that that I was able to see Swami Kriyananda uh, give a talk at our bookstore in the Bay Area. It was Menlo Park then, now it's Mountain View. and. I went with some friends to this talk, and I, I think the topic might have been Say Yes to Life, but I'm not sure, but certainly the, the gist of what he talked about was that, whether that was the topic or not. And uh, my friends and I had been, uh, well, they especially had been frequenting a, another spiritual teacher who has, was very, very, very popular in those days. and. His emphasis seemed to be, at least the, the parts that stuck out the most, uh, were the, the glamour of the spiritual life and the superconscious experiences and the visions and these incredible, incredible experiences. And it was fascinating to listen to. Uh, so when we were listening to this talk of Swamiji's and there was 
none of that. I mean, nothing even close to that. And I remember going out of the, afterwards in the talk, we were walking back to our car, I think there were four of us, and this one friend of mine was just outraged. She was outraged. She said, flyleaf philosophy. You know, like this was just some kind of new age, feel-good thing that Swamiji had been talking about. And I didn't say anything, but I, I remember thinking, you know, I, I don't know how to leap into these high experiences. I wouldn't have a clue. But what he's, I, I really felt that what he was talking about were the things that were going to get me there. And that I was, that he was showing me the simple day-to-day, moment-to-moment things that were going to take me forward in my spiritual life. And I, I just, I thought, I need to know more about this. You know, Master would say, as, as was mentioned yesterday, that, that spiritual teaching must apply on every level of our lives. And that's what Swami really epitomized. You know, he didn't leave any level of life untouched by the spiritual teachings. He brought Master's teachings into so many areas, into so many commonplace scenarios in our lives, not just so that we'll feel good, but so that we'll establish over time a deeper and deeper connection with God, with, with just the way things are. And I really thought, this man has something to show me. Uh, and indeed, he did and does, and will continue to, because his, his life was that. You know, yesterday, you know, Jyotish was talking about our spiritual DNA, you know, comes from Master, and it does. But Swami was the one who showed us what that DNA looks like when it manifests a person, when it manifests a, a devotee, someone who is living the spiritual life. And I came to think of him over time as kind of the energy man. Just, it's just the unceasing energy going and going and going. And yes, he had a strong constitution. And yes, he had a lot of willpower. No doubt about that. But what I didn't realize at first, but came to appreciate as time went on, is that how much of that energy and ability to get things done in this world came from saying yes. Just from saying yes to opportunities, to saying yes from the, to the things that he could do, to yes to the things that he felt the divine was being, was asking him to do. And I, I remember thinking one day, you know something? Nothing great ever happened through the word no. Nothing great ever happened through the word no, because no just blocks energy. It stops energy. And it's energy that moves the world. And it's energy that ultimately moves us as well. And it is that word yes that starts the energy flowing in us, in the situations at hand, and we have all seen this so many times you know, with, I know that, that 
sometimes when there would be a, a project needing to be done or some goal needing to be accomplished, you know, Swami would of, often say, when you find yourself in that situation and people are discussing, we could do this or we could do that, there comes a time when you need to do something, anything short of insanity, to just get things moving. And I know there are many people in this amphitheater who experience that Swami didn't always stop short of insanity either, that he would, he would go beyond anything that seemed reasonable, logical in any way, because he didn't see things as so many of us do. Well, there's this, I'm at point A, and I need to get to point B, and so what is the logical sequence of actions? I start with this action, and then maybe there's other outward actions that I need to, to undertake to get to this place B. I don't know that Swami ever looked at it in that way. I suspect that he looked at it more in terms of energy. What I'd like to see happen here is this sort of energy that would possibly result in event B, but it might result in something else that's even better. I don't need to worry about that. I need to worry about getting that kind of energy going. And his solution to that is, was to, okay, let's just get energy moving and see where it takes us. And, you know, we all saw that over and over again. And uh, sometimes, you know, it seemed not to make sense. I remember um, Vidura saying once, he said, well, when you do it, when you do what Swami says, it works. And when you don't, you don't. <laughs> uh, and whether, you know, logic is really not that central to the issue because this world is a flow. And when we try to fix it in form, like logic likes to do, like outward fixation on things that need to happen, when we, when we, Put it in form like that, we either stop or at least squeeze down on that flow. And things that could have happened aren't able to happen anymore. I remember when I first, I didn't have any desire to live in a community, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I didn't, you know, I grew up in the hippie area, area, era and I wasn't one, and uh, didn't want to be one, and uh, didn't want to be around them, <laughs> in fact. <laughs> in fact, that was the first time I saw Swami's autobiography, which was the path then, not the new path, and I saw that picture with the long hair and the beard and the robes, and I thought, nuh-uh. Um, but I was willing to go see him in person when he later came to that bookstore event I described and he showed up in a neatly trimmed beard and short hair and a suit and I thought, okay, <laughs> I, I can do this. But no, what, what drew me to live in community was that I realized I was never going to know what to do on the spiritual life, not really know at a deep level, uh, and, unless I could see it in action. On a day-to-day -day basis, I needed to see examples. You know, reading books, hearing lectures, all was good. All was helpful 
but I wanted to see it in everyday life. And I knew that in order to see that, I had to live among people who were doing that. So I later, after having moved here, I realized all the other wonderful aspects of living in community, which I wouldn't trade it uh, now for anything that I know of. But at that time, the one thing I was looking for was examples. And there have been examples aplenty over the years of people who are, shall we say, uh, a little bit more at my level than Swami was, uh, or at least closer to my level than Swami was, but examples of people saying yes. Saying yes to some pretty difficult things, sometimes some very icky things, um, whether it had to do with you know, relationships with other people or projects that needed to be done or jobs that needed to be taken on or places to go, places to live. Uh, I remember, I remember uh, Haridas, who was my minister over in Bangalore now, uh, re recalling the first time that uh, there was talk of, uh, serious talk, I guess, of establishing a First, a first Ananda branch community. This was in Sacramento. He said that there were a bunch of uh, monks sitting around a table uh, having dinner with Swamiji, and Swamiji raised the topic of how about uh, starting a center in Sacramento, and Haridas saying, everybody looked at their plates. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody wanted to go anywhere. But over the years, I've seen so many people just say yes to these difficult situations. And some of them Many of them I knew, I couldn't say yes to that. Or maybe, uh, more to the point, I wouldn't say yes to that. But, uh, and I'd see in so many people the growth that happened by that saying yes, the growth that happened by stepping up. When you start to see that over and over and over again and you start to think, you know, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can do that. Uh, right up until the opportunity comes, of course, uh, when, when it starts to look as like a little bit too big of a leap. But you start to see it more and more, and you start to feel a, a magnetism in it. You start to feel a lifting in it, a, a grace in it. And you think that, you know something? I'm going to do that someday. Right. And there was a, the opportunity did eventually arise in larger form. Of course, it arises all the time. But sometimes it feels almost too mundane to want to pursue, as if that wouldn't be helpful. Of course, it would. But we're looking for the bigger opportunities, the bigger opportunities when we can say yes and feel like saying yes. And uh, so uh, that one of those opportunities came a couple of years ago to me when uh, Swami asked me over to uh, Krista Hermitage, and he wanted to, he had been in conversation with a man who was starting a new television channel. Um, it was going to be a worldwide English language channel, but it was a channel that was run uh, out of Dubai by Indians. And they wanted, they had, one of the leaders of that had uh, um, been involved with another channel that had had Swami's talks on and really loved Swami and asked Swami if he would provide some programming for this new channel. And, uh, and Swami said, oh, okay, yes, yes, I will. And the man says, and I'll take whatever else you have to give me. And 
that was a that was my invitation over to Crystal Hermitage because Swami thought of Ananda Yoga. So uh, I went over there and and Swami explained the situation to me and I and I said uh, okay, wow. And he said uh, so they might want they might want a show per week, an Ananda Yoga show per week for this television channel for a year. I said I'll do whatever they want. And he looked at me and he said, what if they want 365 shows? <laughs> I said, I'll do whatever they want. Uh, not thinking that they would want 365 shows. <laughs> and in fact, they didn't. Um, but that started the ball rolling. He said, he said I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you my video person on, on my staff and you two can do this. Well, that started a ball rolling that, and, and I'm kind of used to projects like that working alone. And uh, I realized I can't do this alone. And so I would ask various people in the community for some advice. Advice only, right? Willow, right? Bajrang, some advice. And uh, what really touched me, I think, more than the result of the entire project, we, we did, ended up shooting 48 classes in two full sadhanas in the space of a month. What touched me more than the project outcome was the process of all the people who said, yes, I'll give you some advice, which ended up being huge involvement, not just advice, but major, major involvement in this project that got so much bigger and so much bigger. And I was so deeply touched, I must say. And, and I, I just feel that their response to the whole situation, talk about a window of grace, as Shavani was mentioning, opening up by saying, yes, the window of grace for me to see more and more people who are saying yes, not even to what was asked of them, but saying yes to what they could do and hadn't even been asked. And it was so inspiring to me. The first of these series, by the way, is finally coming out this fall. Volume one of the Ananda Yoga series. Through the grace of many people, including some who are still putting in inordinate amount of time to make this happen. Video projects are big deals. But when I just really saw, and we can say yes, when that window of opportunity happens, that there can be things come into our lives that, that we had no idea of. And I think that's what really Swam was motivating Swami so much, is not just specific outcomes, but just creating the opportunity for incredible things to happen. And wow, what incredible things have happened whether you're talking about books and music or communities or whatever is going to go forward from here, which is even bigger, I'm sure. And the question becomes, okay, what, and would I just sit here waiting, waiting for that opportunity to come along to you know, say yes? What can, I, what can I do in the meantime to prepare myself, to strengthen my yes-saying muscles a bit? And there's so much that we can do. So much we can do. Our little, our little everyday resistances, 
to the way things are, to the way other people are behaving, you know, that he shouldn't be like that, you know. Well, yes, you should, because he is like that. You know, <laughs> I shouldn't be like that. Well, yes, I should, because I am, I am like that, but let's see if I can do better. There's little everyday periods when we argue with reality. And we pit ourselves against what is, rather than just saying, yes, this is, this is the logical outcome of all that has gone before, regardless of whether I see the karma that has led to it or not. That's not the question. The question is, what now? And to ask that question, what now, with that openness that Shivani was talking about, that you, you meditate on to get to that place where anything now, whatever is needed, that's what I'll do. That's one thing we can do. Another thing we can do is to, is to use the, the body to cultivate that saying, yes, that Jyotish was talking about Swamiji's posture yesterday and how upright and sort of beyond upright he was. I always thought of his posture as going heart first into life. It's like there's, his shoulders were back behind him and it was, it was just letting nothing, nothing stand between him and whatever was coming his way. And just think the little, the little things we can do. Is that little? Not very. Not if you do it for a long time. To, that's what Ananda Yoga is really all about, is to kind of help the energy in the body to move in a way that supports yes. Not just so that we can accomplish things outwardly, although it does help to do that, but so that we can get in tune with superconsciousness, which is only about upward-moving energy. It has nothing to do with downward-moving energy in the body. And we can use these techniques to get energy flowing upward. Another thing we can do, again, a small thing, seemingly. And I've been tormenting myself with this ever since I found out I was going to talk about this topic at Spiritual Renewal Week. I, I looked for one of Swamiji's other affirmations in Affirmations for Self-Healing and decided to bring that into my meditation um, just in case my mind ever wandered. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the affirmation was, I'm awake, energetic, enthusiastic. I give my full alert attention to everything I do, knowing that in absolute consciousness I shall find God. And I would do that affirmation and do a few Kriyas. And do that affirmation and do a few Kriyas. Or, or, or Hong Sa. I'd you know, do a few breaths of Hong Sa and find myself maybe not quite on the mark and break off into that affirmation. Just get myself fully involved, you're so much more alive when we're fully involved like that. And it's such a simple thing. But right now, how much of your awareness is going to what you're doing? I give my full alert attention to everything I do. All you have to do is get a sense of what that is for one moment, and it's like, I can't stand to live any other way. Of course, a part of us also says, I can't stand to put out that much energy. Okay, But still, that comes with time, as Swami showed us. You know, we don't leap up to that 
level of energy that he lived at in a single bound. So we, we, we practice having that higher level of energy to get us to the next step, and to the next step, and to the next step, one at a time. And when you're at this step, well, going to the next step is not that much energy, but when we're down here, going up to there is not just looks like a lot, it's way too much. But step by step by step, we get there, increasing energy, saying yes to whatever we can say yes to. So we can't say yes to everything. I'm keeping my bases covered here in case somebody comes up to me after the class and <laughs> tells me to walk my talk. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but we can say yes to so much in our lives. And Swamiji has shown us how to do that. And above all, he was the example of saying yes to the Guru and to doing whatever he thought might even be being asked of him. He didn't even always know, but he wasn't willing to squander any opportunity that might well have been Master or Divine Mother asking him to do this or do that. He wouldn't pass it by for anything because the risk is just too great. The, missed, the possibility of a missed opportunity is, was unthinkable. And for us to think about that also, to say each little opportunity that comes our way, whether it's totally mundane or cosmic or anything in between, think, how can I say yes to this in some way, in some way that's going to open me up, that's going to help me to feel more and more of a connection with Master, more and more of a connection with God, that yes is one of those magic keys that, that opens the, do the door to a greater and greater consciousness, to a greater and greater joy. First, I'd like to thank Shivani and Yandev for the honor of uh, joining us in this class. I'd like to thank all of you for being here and for saying yes to your spiritual life. And I'd like to talk a little bit about um, some of the aspects that Shivani and Yandev have spoken about. But. Swami wrote a mantra called uh, the Life Mantra. God who is infinite is life. God who is in all life is joy. Life is a mission from on high. Life is the quest for inner joy. When he wrote that mantra, when he had it performed, 
he was currently in the hospital in Sacramento having open heart surgery. And the choir director at that time brought a tape to him. He was out of intensive care but still in guarded critical condition and was given the CD of the life mantra. He was very enthused. And as each nurse came in, and if you've been to a hospital in intensive care, a number of nurses come to see you regularly to do different things to your pulse and your blood and your signs and stuff. And as each nurse would come in, Swami Kriyananda would say, Oh, I've just written this beautiful th mantra, and well, please listen to it. And he would have the headphones on the woman's head by the time she was, you know, trying to get her bearings. And, and they would listen, and they would get it. Uh, they would feel it. It was just, it was a beautiful performance by a full choir of the life mantra. And say yes to life is, as we've been saying, the aphorism of Kriyananda, for sure, but it is also the aphorism of every disciple. Because unless we embrace the spiritual reality as our life, God who is infinite is life. If we embrace that aspect of life wholeheartedly, unreservedly, then we put that focus on our lives and everything else follows. Why do we need to be willing? Because if we're not willing to embrace spirit, we're going to stay in matter. Unless we embrace the fact that this is a mission from on high, we're not here to get rich or famous or beautiful or wealthy or whatever. We're here for the quest for inner joy. That's why we've incarnated. That's why this creation is here. That's why Krishna came. That's why Babaji is here. That's why the Buddha came. That's why Christ came. That's why Kriyananda came. To be a disciple of truth and a great master. And all of us are here at Spiritual Renewal Week for that very same reason. Because at some point in this movie, we've come to the realization that life is the quest for inner joy. That's what this is about. And the place to be is in the spine, and in that light, that's where we've got to get. Say yes to life, say yes to that light. Say yes to that spiritual life, say yes to that quest. That is what Kriyananda offered, is the perfect example of discipleship. Master came, he came to America, he's 27 years old, he comes to Boston on his own. That takes a lot of yesing to handle that. 1920 Boston? You want to teach yoga and meditation? That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. But that's the divine will. Say yes to the divine will. And as Dave and Shivani were pointing out, sometimes you have to reach out to something that is so far beyond what you're thinking of in the material sense that it's a stretch. It's a stretch to say yes. But when you do you realize God who is infinite is life. All life is this quest for joy. This is all God, every one of us. Sure, in us, in this satsang, sure, it's pretty easy. All true singers, all beautiful. But say yes to life is to say yes to all the creation. And those people that are from Venus or whatever, <laughs> so what? Venus is nice this time of year. It's all about life. It's all about God.
And when you put that focus on your life, you say yes to your spiritual life, you realize that the Spirit has always been saying yes to you. It's been beckoning you. Come away from that smallness. Be big. Reach out. Go for it. It's there inviting you. Enthusiasm, yes, but deep realization, yes. That's what set Swami Kriyananda apart. Even, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but even from the other disciples of Master, is that intense drive to fulfill the mission of the Guru. He wrote all those books, books after books. I said, Swamiji, I, I told him, I said, I don't know that any other disciples could write that many books, had that much to say. Because the Guru's power is there for all of us. But unless we say yes to life and receive it, we're not going to find God. We're not going to be liberated. We've got to be liberated. That's what we're here for. Life is a quest for inner joy. That's why we're here. Say yes to life. Put that enthusiasm in. And that's what Swami taught us. And that's why Ananda is still a community. Because when we said yes to a community and living in the world, I don't, I'm not going to speak for the others, but I'll speak for myself. I was one of those hippies. <laughs> I think I may be still a hippie. But, <laughs> but I thought we were going to live out in the country and chant the names of Krishna. I thought we were going to grow organic food and it was going to be all peace, love, and joy. And master plans? Planning department? Building permits? What's this got to do with this great vision? Say yes to life. Because life manifests on all levels. And we met a lot of wonderful people in the building department. We met a lot of engineers. We got a lot of contractors. We met a lot of people. And we gave them what is the essence of Ananda. Say yes to life. Say yes to your spiritual life with complete respect for the other paths. This isn't the best path. This isn't the only path. Say yes to the Spirit in all beings, in all life. All life is joy. All life is good. So we have to embrace that cosmic reality. And in our own lives, we have to establish within our own consciousness that we are not this body. We are not this man or woman. We are not this job. We're not this status. We are spirit. We are infinite. We are a part of God. You are a part of all that is. We say it every Sunday in the festival. Catch it. Get it. Be infinite. Say yes to life. Say yes to that life. Don't say yes to all the other lower levels of life because they're going to keep you back from that level, this level. God is here with us right now. God is in everyone. That is the attitude of a disciple. In about 25 years ago, um, I Maria and I served in Ananda, Sacramento. My job at that point was to take a mailing list with 1,200 names on it and to phone the people on that mailing list and to ask them if there was any aspect of Ananda that they might be interested in. We needed to know these people had signed up for our mailing list. So I would go through the list. Hello. Uh, I'm phoning from the Ananda Center, and we have many yoga postures classes and meditation classes, classes in yoga philosophy. So I was, I would give my little spiel, and I would do it over and over. And I would, each person, I would try and, like Swami taught us, reach out. You don't know who the other end of that phone is, but they could be a truth seeker. They could be 
Kalidas. It could be Badri. It could be who knows who's on the other end of that line. So you phone them up, phone them up and ask them. So I had one conversation was, I wouldn't say it was typical. It, it didn't end typically, but it started out typically. Well, we have yoga postures and, no. uh, and we meditation. Are you interested in meditation? No, possibly. <laughs> uh, yoga philosophy. Uh, we have kirtans and group meditations. Oh, that's nice. I <laughs> think <laughs> going really well. <laughs> so I kind of got to the end of what I could say. And so I said, okay, well, you know, you're just always welcome here. And I heard, can I ask you a question? I said, certainly. I said, why is everyone from Ananda so disgustingly enthusiastic? <laughs> so I told him what was... <laughs> and I told him that these are truths that work for us. They mean something. They've changed our lives. And I kept on in that vein, <laughs> as I do. So anyway, um, I, I eventually got him to the superconscious attunement ceremony when he told me it was too far to come. He lived in downtown Sacramento. We were in Carmichael, which is about 15 minutes. Uh, I had Dr. William Rowley give him a ride to the superconscious attunement ceremony. So we, we shared satsang together. But uh, a short while later, I told Swami Kriyananda the story. And, of course, he laughed heartily. And I loved to make him laugh. But then I said, Swamiji, you know... I was so proud because this man recognized he, what he said was, why is everyone from Ananda? And I don't know if it was someone from the Expanding Light or from Ananda Sacramento that had talked to him in the past. I didn't know. But ev why is everyone from Ananda so enthusiastic? Disgustingly enthusiastic. <laughs> and I told Swamiji I was so proud of that, that we, we were there. And Swamiji said, yes, I'm very proud too. He's very proud of all of you because it's that enthusiasm and that quest for God that is disgustingly enthusiastic to the worldly, yes, to the cynical, yes, but necessary. And there was something in that man that put himself on that mailing list. There was something in that man that asked that question. What is it that makes you the way you are? Why is it this way? And that is that principle of say yes to life, embracing it and going for it. And it's evident. And in Shivani and Gyandev and Jyotish and Devi and every one of you that has been here, there is that vibration, say yes to life. That is the affirmation by which we have to grab this bull by the horns. We've got to get there because that is enthusiasm of the disciple. In the Bhagavad Gita, at the beginning of the war, Arjuna goes and he wants to look at the two armies. And he says, Krishna, take me between these two. He looks over and he sees his uncle and his cousins. And he goes, I don't want to fight. I, this, you know, what's this war for? Now, the first time I read the Bhagavad Gita it was in the 60s. And I was one of those people. And <laughs> I thought the, Arjuna's answer was, Krishna would say, Good, Arjuna. Let's, you know, peace, man. Let's let it, let it happen. <laughs> and much to my amazement, Krishna says, Arjuna, fight. You're a warrior. 
that's what you're trained to do. These are the farces of darkness. They're aligned against Krishna. Fight. If you don't fight, the history of the world will go down the hill. And I thought, wow. What Krishna's saying is say yes to life. And specifically, what he's saying is say yes to your life. And Gyandev touched on this briefly. But the fact is that you, in your quest for joy, are in a situation where the infinite God is all around you. And your job and your ex-wife and your physical illness and your mental illness and your bankruptcy and your co-workers that drive you nuts are there for your liberation and only for your liberation. And when you see that, and when you feel that discomfiture that is the reality of our day-to-day -day lives, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for such was the prophets that came before you. It is hard, yes, but that veil of discomfort is the only thing between you and total liberation. Say yes to that. And, and then, as Gyandev was pointing out, take out the toolbox that Yogananda has given you and get to work on dealing with it, on making it better. And if the body's going and it's over for this life, say yes to life. Say yes to the astral world. You're leaving. Or can you recover with a super healing prayer session and all sorts of things? Say yes to life. And if you can't change jobs for the time being, pray for that person, that odious boss, who says that over and over and drives you nuts. Bless him. Bless her. Say yes to life. That was the disciples' attitude that Arjuna embraced. That is the disciples' attitude that Yogananda embraced in his discipleship to Sri Yukteswar, that is the discipleship that you embrace. Say yes to that. Say yes to your life, where you live, where your spiritual life is. And from that, step it up, if you can, as much as you can, and try harder and come to Spiritual Renewal Week and get all sorts of new aspects and new ideas about how chanting and Kriya and Hong Sa and Om and postures and energization and, if you're on another path, your Guru's teachings can help you to say yes to life because God who is infinite is life. God who is in all life is joy. Life is a mission from on high. Life is the quest for inner joy. That's why we're here. Embrace it. Say yes to life. And from the moment he found the autobiography, and as Jyotis said yesterday, before he found the autobiography, Swami Kriyananda said yes to that divine life. Embrace it. And that's why he's free. Because you're next. You're going to. You follow in those footsteps of freedom. Say yes to life. Say yes to love. Say yes to forgiveness. Say yes to peace. And don't ever hesitate. Because there, amazingly enough, there are bumps on the spiritual life. <laughs> Things happen. And you get knocked down. And you get up and you say yes to life. And that has happened to this community and it's happened to everyone here, I'm sure. And it's happened to Kriyananda. Say yes to life. Get up. Remember when he was parted from a certain organization 
And he was not happy about it. And he was in India with Ma, Nandamoy Ma. And he, and, and he told, he, she knew the story. And he, she said, take this as your guru's grace. And he said, Swami said to us, I couldn't do it. I just, that was the last thing in my mind. But he did it. Say yes to life. And then through that window comes the realization of why an organization would become Kali Yuga, why an organization would become stiff, and therefore the new organization would become fluid, would become Dwapara. Good things come from it. Remember our book, From Bummers to Blessings? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that was a school book. That's the reality of our lives. There's bummers. You don't say yes to the bummers, you say yes to the blessings. You say yes to God, who is infinite, is life. You are a part of God. That is your destiny. You cannot escape it. You must embrace it. Say yes to life. God bless you.